Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And as always, I always say, we've got a great show for you because you know what? Every artist is great. Anyway, we've got a really great artist coming out of Canada today. And I've just gotten to know her a little bit um, just in the last week or so. And she's really awesome. So, McKaylin, are you here? Yes, thank you so much for having me on. We are definitely glad to have you on. Um, so how is it? How are you doing up there in Canada right now with all this mess? Pretty bored, honestly. <laughs> There's, like, nothing to do. <laughs> Everyone's just kind of shut in their houses. So I've been trying to keep busy between, like, schoolwork and then there's quite a bit of music stuff that I'm doing right now so that's exciting but yeah it's it's weird here and it's cold so it's not like we can go outside and have fun anyway well I, I almost would wish we were cold because at least it would it would be like well we'd be staying in anyway yeah <laughs> Where, yeah know, but we can still like go to the park and things like that right now yeah they have things like that open yeah, it's crazy. And it's just cold here, so going outside isn't fun because you're, like, freezing and bundled up and the wind's bad. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so um, as we get started, tell us a little bit about who you are, where, where you're from. Even already said that, but still, who you are, where you're from. Um, a little brief overview about you, small um, brief story, and a few hobbies you like to do outside of music. Yeah, so I'm McKaylin, and I'm – a singer-songwriter from Guelph, but I usually just say Toronto because nobody knows where Guelph is, and I can't blame them. Um, so I've been writing and singing and performing since I was, like, very young, since I was 11. And um, I do lots of different genres. Uh, I love all types of music. I've never listened to a genre that I don't like, except for maybe Screamo isn't my favorite. But, like, in terms of, like, everything else, I just love it all. And... Lately, I've been doing a lot of EDM stuff based out of Brazil, which is getting some traction, which is really exciting for me because it's crazy like to see spins beside an independent artist's song. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Some hobbies outside of music. Really, it's just hanging out with friends, which I can't do much of. But I've been getting back into reading lately. Um, I used to read all the time, and then I just got a bit busy. So I've been doing that quite a bit, and then just. Yeah, hanging out with friends and schoolwork, honestly. So <laughs> so what's something quirky about you? Quirky? Um, yeah. I don't know if this is quirky, but a lot of people don't know <laughs> that I'm almost six feet tall. I'm like 5'11 and a half. Oh, wow. So I'm pretty <laughs> tall, and I've always been tall. I've been that tall since I was 13. I haven't grown since, luckily. But, yeah, I'm a very <laughs> tall person. And once wow. I got kicked out of my own show... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, wow. Oh, and happy belated birthday because I know you just turned the big 18. Oh, thank yes. you. Thank you so much. <clears throat> so, what age did you say this is what I want to do with my? I, I know you said that you go back since 11, but was it 11 or was it older? I mean, what age did you say, you know what? I can do this. I want to do this with my life. It's actually funny. I remember the first time I told my parents that I was going to be a singer when I grew up. I was four (laughs) years old. And then I was put into piano lessons at the age of five, and I started just writing dumb little songs on the piano. I remember I used to be from northern Ontario, and I didn't really like it at the age of, like, four (laughs) or seven. And I remember writing a song called Tornadoes in Sudbury when I was, like, five, and my parents were like, you're a weird one. 
And then um, <laughs> basically I knew um, around the age of seven is when I started writing, and I put quotations beside this, but serious songs, like songs with <laughs> verses and choruses. And then when I was 10, mm-hmm. I joined the Songwriters Association of Canada, and then really I haven't stopped since. So I was pretty young when I decided that this is what I was going to do. I think I was around like eight or nine when everyone started taking me seriously on it because every oh, wow. kid has their rock star phase. Mm-hmm. I just never grew up mine. <laughs> so so what was that moment when you got on what, – what stage were you on with that moment where you were like, oh, I'm supposed to do this? I was five, and it was my school talent show. And I sang Irish Lullaby, which is a song that my mom used to sing to me. And um, it was a lot of fun. I closed the show, and I was really excited about that at the age of five. And I was like, I'm just going to keep doing this forever. (laughs) Because, you know, most artists, they say that there's that moment where they're on that stage, and they're looking out, and they're like, they just know. This is Mm -hmm. it. This is what – and yeah. I guess in a way that's how we feel with the show because yeah. you know, with mm-hmm. um we launched the show January third and you're actually our sixty sixth um show. Ooh, that's <laughs> exciting. Since, yes. Since and and we actually just did a show at twelve o'clock, which we normally do one show a day, but we had to squeeze someone in and so we so today's two shows, so we had to really like uh, scramble here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Tight for time. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <clears throat> been some of your musical influences. I've had a lot over the years. Um for I I feel like the most significant one for me was for sure Coldplay and then Marina and the Diamonds was her name at the time now. She just goes by Marina, but she definitely shaped a lot of my songwriting style in the critical years when I was really writing quite a few songs. And then now I have so many artists that I take influence from, but like uh, Lennon Stella's one. Um, Halsey used to be a really big one. And um, right now I'd say probably Lennon Stella, um, Marina, uh, and Coldplay as well. Oh, wow. Uh, um, so of, of your songs, what song would you say is your um, most meaningful and why? Um, my most meaningful that's been released is probably Home um, because – I wrote it when I was on the drive from Sudbury to Thunder Bay, which is northern Ontario to even more northern Ontario. And it's a really long drive. And I started the song at my grandma's house and then kind of just kept writing it as I was on the road. There's no service on huge chunks of the roads, and it's just (laughs) endless trees and that type of thing. And then so I wrote the song kind of on the drive, and then I came home and I worked on it more with my piano teacher, who has been a Mm -hmm. major, major part of my life, Um, him and his wife, who's my vocal coach. I absolutely love them. But they were actually moving at the end of that summer from Ontario out east. So they were Mm -hmm. moving like hours and hours away. And uh, this was like the last big project that we worked on together. And my piano teacher, Ben, put together a band for it. And we did um, a live performance. And he's just so influential. Same with my vocal coach. And I was really sad when they left. But then we ended up doing Skype lessons. So I do Skype lessons with both of them. So they're still both my teacher. But that was like the big thing before they left. And it was very significant for me. So I know we talked about this before the show started, but what are your thoughts on Nashville? I love Nashville. I went 
um, for March break in grade nine, which I haven't been in school for like a month. So I like three years ago now. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was amazing. Every day there was something to do. Everyone I met was so nice. It's just like a community of like-minded people. And I would, mm-hmm. I was hoping to go back this summer. I'm not sure if that's going to happen anymore, but I love Nashville. I'd love to visit for longer next time. I stayed for a week last time and had something and to do to every single day. So I love it. And you'd I love, love it, to live there, it. too. From <laughs> Who knows, maybe one day you can live there. Oh, my God. That would be a dream come true. Yeah. <laughs> so what drives you? What's that inner thing in you? I'd say um, what drives me is just the passion and the love I have for music at the core. Like, for me, obviously, it's not about the money because as an independent artist, I'm not making any money. But I think it's just the love for writing songs and expressing emotions that can make people feel something, having a way to make people, you know, like a song can feel like home, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I just Mm -hmm. love making music and... I'm just so, I've always been so passionate about singing and playing the piano. And so it's just something that I've always loved. And I'd say that inner passion drives me more than anything. And songs really, music really does move people and changes people. Because Sandy's actually got a story from high school. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. I was bullied a lot during those years, junior high school and high school and and music is, is what really helped me heal during that time period, hearing a song I could relate to, and just definitely that kept me going. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how it can do that. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> and what's funny is I was, you know, when we first married, I was not a big – I mean, I've always liked music, but I wasn't like a lover of music. And I remember when we first met uh, and married 17 years ago, I was one of these people that was big in the audio motivation and self-help type stuff, and I believed you should listen to motivational stuff (laughs) (laughs) 24-7. She (laughs) believed you listen to music 24-7, so we get married. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that was our first little thing, like, okay, how do we compromise here? And we had to find a compromise within where, okay, we listen to 50% audio and 50% music, and we both agreed to that, and, and so I always joked that she brainwashed me in all this music stuff, and here I am all in now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it can change you, for sure. It can. <clears throat> yeah, because we originally launched New Country Buzz back in 2014. It was the first time we launched, and we actually got the interview in February 2015, Kelsey Ballerini, which was still pretty wow. cool. Before, oh, you know, yeah. I think she had a top 30 at that time on her first song. So her she was like single. just mm-hmm. really getting off the ground. And um, so but in, 2000, in 2015, oh, is, we yeah. end up um, shutting everything down, and mm-hmm. kind of my kind of broke my heart because yeah, I was all in with this. You know, I I was head over heels for the whole new country buzz idea, but because we shut it down, I wanted to push everything away. I even yeah. let go of the domain newcountrybuzz.com. I mean, I even let that go. I was trying to push it out, and I can remember every six months. I'd go to GoDaddy. Nope, nobody's bought it. Six months later, it would pop in my head. I guess it's God putting it in my head. Um, nope, nobody bought it. Six months later, no. finally by the end of 2018, October 2018, it was like eating me alive. And I told Sandy, I was like, 
I think we're supposed to relaunch New Country Buzz. It's still available, the, the domain, and I think, you know, to finish what we started. She's like, mm-hmm. hey, let's do this. And because it was eating me, you know, you hear of artists where they were trying to make something and then they quit and then they're miserable the rest of their life. I got to experience that for three years. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's so and, hard. It's like losing something that you put so much work into. Yes, exactly. And it's like now we've got to – but see, you know what? There was a blessing from that because when we shut it down, we had no idea that our one-year-old, Caitlin, would co- eventually come. So if we didn't shut it down, she might not be here. So we we would just have our eight year old little Chris. So we got her now, and then we relaunched. So it, you know it all worked out, I think, because like I said, you know when you change the timeline of things, that would change everything. Yeah, really. Like mm-hmm. one tiny yeah. tiny change can make a world of difference. And you know, talking about that, um, one tiny thing. I love because I like to play off. Because I I want this to be a conversation, not just like an interview. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we first met. She was in Kentucky. I was in Georgia, and um, we met online. <laughs> and it was back in 2002, and that was when it was really taboo back then. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. now everybody's meeting online. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, like but but see, mm-hmm. it was safer back then because all the all the bad people now understand how to take advantage of the internet. They did yeah. in 2002, so I think it was safer when we mm-hmm. met. But, but um, I was, I always eat messaged people who had pictures. I would never. I, I really felt like my wife was on time. I, I felt like God was pushing me that way. Now people thought I was crazy, and to this day, people still think I was crazy, even though we've been married now 17 years. Yeah. But I was searching, <laughs> searching, searching, and um, and I never would. I, I never will chat with people that don't have pictures on, on their profiles I'm because like, I always like you know what are you hiding you know mm-hmm. so I always like to make sure they have a picture well this one day February 2nd of 02 I was bored to death and I'm like what is you know what's going on here um so I and I, and I was like okay chat with that person I already chatted with that for always chat but all the ones pictures I've chatted with by this point so I remember that picking somebody who didn't have a picture Mm-hmm. Happened to be Sandy. Sandy was only on that site to to delete a message that she got. She was logging off as I said hi. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, that's about in line. Crazy time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I love that story. Oh, that's goodness. great. <laughs> so you just you just never again like like you said you know I remember we watched that butterfly effect years ago the movie. And oh, yeah, I love that movie where the person tries to go back and change the past, and then he has a future mm-hmm. that he hates. Yeah, you know? and, and then he, he goes keeps and tries going to fix back it again. and tried to fix it, and it makes it worse every time. Maybe I'll watch uh, it. Are... I'm looking for good movies to watch on quarantine. So, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> well, really good. Well, that's a good one because again, it's you are mm-hmm. in li- you are right now what you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way I always mm-hmm. believe. You know. <clears throat> and just like you are, you're you know up there in Canada. You're where you're supposed to be right now, and we love what we've seen from you so far. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. no, I definitely agree with that philosophy. <clears throat> so when you look back on your career so far, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that? For sure, my two trips to L.A., um, both of them happened – super last minute both of them were insane like they were quick trips but the first one was I got 
to audition for the show The Four. So they flew me down there, put me in a nice hotel, like, and everything. And then mm-hmm. I was still oh, wow. 15, I think, at the time. Uh, either that or just turned 16. So I still had to, like, have an onset tutor because of child labor laws. And I met some amazing, <laughs> amazing people that I still keep in contact with. And then my second trip to L.A. was actually because um, my mentor, uh, Don Grierson, he had worked with a record label out of the Ukraine, and they were coming to L.A., and it was called Yonk, and it was a startup label, um, and they were doing this thing called hit funding where you submit your song, and then either by public votes or by a panel of judges, you get selected, and they fly you down there, and they'd shoot a video, Mm -hmm. and you record your song and everything like that. And Don has actually been my mentor since I was 11, and I met him briefly the first time I went to L.A. We went out for dinner together, but this second time um, was just amazing. We went to his house. He made us dinner. We stayed there for, like, hours and hours just talking. Like, with Don, he's been in the industry forever, so there's Mm -hmm. never, like, you can't run out of things to talk about with him. And he was just amazing. (laughs) I met his dogs and his wife, and everything was so great, and he gave me that opportunity because he was the one that voted my song. So then I got to record a music video with um, an actual crew, which was super exciting, Mm -hmm. and like a director. Mm -hmm. And it was the most surreal experience I've ever had so far. And then, unfortunately, so I had met Dawn the first time in February and then again in November. And I remember the last thing he said to me was, next time you come to L.A., you can just stay at our house. You don't need to get a hotel. And then I remember I emailed him about a month later, Mm. and usually he responds fast. And he didn't respond, like, within a day, and I was like, that's weird. And he had just sent out his Christmas card or whatever, so, like, Mm -hmm. I was wondering why he hadn't responded. And then I found out the next day that he had passed away of a heart attack. And it was just shocking. But I'm just so glad that I had that chance to go and go to his house and spend time Mm -hmm. with him, somebody that's been a mentor of mine since I was 11, when really not many people, you know, would put so much time and energy into an 11-year-old that says, I want to sing, because there's (laughs) lots of 11-year-olds that want to sing. Like, I wasn't better than any other 11-year-old that wanted to sing, so he really Mm -hmm. took a chance and believed in me, and his death definitely hit me really hard, just because that was the first major death that I'd ever experienced, somebody so close to me. So just the fact mm-hmm. that I was able to spend that time with him um, like two months before he died was just amazing, and I would not take it back for anything. Or I would take it back. Like, I'd love to go back and just sit there for longer. <laughs> like, I was so mm-hmm. jet-lagged, yeah. so tired, and I would just, like, I would stay till 3 a.m. instead of, like, I think I stayed till 11. <laughs> I was running off, like, two hours of sleep, but I would just oh, do wow. anything to go back. So what was with him everything you've learned, what what was the most surprising thing you learned? Um, I think one of the most surprising things, the first time we sat down at dinner, he he was actually the one that brought the Beatles to uh, America. He discovered Celine Dion and Alanis Morissette. And he was telling Mm -hmm. me a story about how Alanis, she was signed to Warner Canada. And then... um, Mm -hmm. They were about to drop her, and he was like, no, we want her. So then she <laughs> ended up going to Warner in the in the United States, and then mm-hmm. um, her demo ended up being her first big single. And I just think it's so crazy how, <laughs> like, 
you can, like, she probably in that moment was like, my label's dropping me, everything's going wrong. Like, she was probably about to give mm-hmm. up. And then somebody saw her and took a chance on her. And Don advocated for her when everyone else, he was head of A&R, so what he said went. But everyone else was like, no, like, what are you doing? Like, we don't think you should take a chance on her. And she was like, and he was like, yes, I think we should. And I just think that Mm -hmm. it's amazing how he saw how much potential she had. And, like, he changed her life, really. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so many stories like that where, where they get no, 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 and then somebody takes a chance. And mm-hmm. with them, and then they help them. Exp- I mean, even Carrie Underwood. I remember hearing her story that where she, where she talks about that that she was going either in nursing school or about to go to nursing school. I can't remember wow. which, which it was. Yeah. But but she she was she already gave up on music, and it was I think her mom said you need mm-hmm. to audition for American Idol, and wow. she really didn't want to do it. And she said she and she said she finally agreed. She goes, okay, if this does not work, I will. I'm quitting. I will mm-hmm. just go get my degree, and I'll be happy, Cation, and I will just be a nurse or whatever it was that she was going for. And I remember watching Idol, and I remember when she said, and I think it was the very first audition. I remember Simon looked at her and told her, "You're not only going to win this." You're going to outsell every other idol winner we've ever had to come yeah. by. Crazy. She has. <laughs> and here, and mm-hmm. here it is. She, she has. You know. So it, it's definitely amazing that when people who believe in you make you rise up, you know. Where and, and you got all the other people. Oh no, 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 no. You know. But there's so many stories like that where people just was not doing anything i mean you know they get no here no there i think it was what luke combs if i'm not mistaken on had like several record labels laugh at his soft mm-hmm. music and says it'll never work <laughs> and they they said it was like six songs that they said that will never work and all six songs went number one crazy they must feel dumb now <laughs> 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 So what is your ultimate dream right now? Um, right now, it's definitely, like, short-term, obviously, is to finish school. And then I'm really not sure, because of the virus, if I'm going to go to school next year or not. Um, mm-hmm. I've been accepted to a couple of really great music programs. So um, for sure, I think, like, like, music industry programs, which would teach me a lot about the business side of the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to happen because of COVID. So I, I don't know if yeah. I'll take a gap year, but if I take a gap mm-hmm. year, I'm definitely just going to be focusing a lot on writing and finding that's my sound. Good. But I think a long-term goal for me is to be able to make a living being a musician full time and be able to travel and meet people that support me and put on exciting shows that make me or make the people watching feel the way that I feel at every concert yeah. I go to. So I think that's the goal that I want that, the most. That would be a, now that we hit a lot of good points um, with music, I always like to flip the script and go the other way. For and sure. I'll tell a little, and I'll tell a little story of where I want this to go. We interviewed um, Allison Steele from Two Still Girls back in 2014. And at that time, they were full-time in music. And I <laughs> asked her, I asked Allison, what advice would you give an up-and-comer? And she said, and she said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full time, 
But if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, then please go do that and just keep music as a hobby. Because she went on to explain that when, when you go full-time, it's a different shift. Mm-hmm. And although it's your passion, it's also now your job. And she goes, you, might, you could have bad days, but you still got to get on that stage that night. Mm-hmm. You could have deaths in the family, you, but you still got to do something. So you got to, you know, you can't just not do it because you've got all these commitments now. She goes, yeah. You know, un- under certain circumstances, you might take a few days off, but that's it. She goes, you have to keep going and keep going. So, so, and but then she added, she goes, but if you if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because the sacrifices you have to make will only be worth it if you're all in. Mm-hmm. What do you think about what she said? And I actually, let's go a little bit there about that side of it. Yeah, I actually agree 100%. I, I say to some people sometimes, if you have a plan B, go with that. Because if there's a plan B option for you, you know, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be easier than your plan A. Yep. And if you have a backup plan, and this is actually something that Don told me when I was 11. Uh-huh. And I remember hearing oh, that wow. when I was 11. And he was like, he asked me, he was like, do you have a plan B? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know, like maybe a paramedic, <laughs> which I actually dropped science in grade 10. Like I don't like science. Mm-hmm. So I could never, <laughs> ever be able, like, I don't know where I got that answer. I definitely made it mm-hmm. up. But um, if you have a plan B, go with the plan B because you're going to have to sacrifice a lot and work a lot harder and the most, I think like what I face the most is rejection and disappointment. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're you're going to be rejected a lot more than you're told mm-hmm. yes. So I definitely agree with that statement a hundred percent. And I love what you're saying here because about the Plan B, because I rem- you know we watch a lot of documentaries and interviews of your big stars, mm-hmm. and not all stars have this answer, but I would say ninety percent do. And I remember – and the hosts are always taken aback because you know, our society pushes on people. You have to have a plan B. They, that, that's just a thing that society says. Mm-hmm. And so many artists, when they're interviewed, the, the host would ask. That, they'd get down to them, and they would almost kneel mm-hmm. and say, so, Blake, or whoever it is that they're interviewing. If music did not work, what would you have been doing right now? And most mm-hmm. answers would be, I would just be a broken mu- musician. And then they would ask, exactly. what about a plan B? Oh, I never had plan B. Yeah. This was it. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, the, the same thing that you were told at 11. I've, I've heard that from so many people that if you have a plan B, that becomes your plan A over time when, when it gets rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. you got to give it your all. <clears throat> And, and I like us talking about all this because I, I want people who are listening to understand that it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be music. If you're going to be at the top of any industry, it takes the same tenacity, mm-hmm. same mindset of, and all that. And I, you know, I, I want people to understand. It's like you, know, you hear people on Facebook or see people on Facebook, and I've heard people say, oh, musicians just need to go get a real job. And I cringe when I hear that. Because yeah. I, you know, I, I stop people on their flick tracks when if I'm in person with them and say, whoa, 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 nope, don't, please don't say uh, they need to get a real job because they actually got something better, a passion to live for. Yeah. And 
In fact, you know it as an independent artist. You actually probably have 10 jobs that you're doing because, you know, until you get big, it's taken, by, it's taken over by everybody. But mm-hmm. when you're small, you have to do it all. Yeah, and I'm actually really lucky because my dad is super supportive, so he helps me out with, like, everything. He helps me film my videos. He helps me edit them. He helps me with, like, keeping on track of everything. So I'm really lucky that I have such a supportive figure in my life, but I know Mm -hmm. so many people Mm -hmm. that don't, and I'm just so blessed to have the people that I have that support me and believe in me so much. So I – 100%. 100%. And the get a real job comment, that I always react the same way because my view is like, think about your life and then take away music. You know, take away driving mm-hmm. in your car yep. with music. Take away standing in a lobby mm-hmm. with music. Take away sitting in a mm-hmm. cafe. Just eliminate music. Take away commercials. Then, yeah, exactly. Everything. And think Everything. about how bland life would be. And, you know, and, and, you know, and something I try to get across to people, especially parents, is if you if you steal this passion from them, and it doesn't matter if it's music, if it's something other creative, if it's the art, it doesn't matter. If you mm-hmm. steal this passion from them because you push them into a, a career that they really shouldn't be in, you destroy them. Because I've got friends of mine, and I tell this story in almost every episode, that um, I've got friends of mine <laughs> that they've been 15 years in their career. And you sit down with them, and they're miserable. I'm, I'm talking really miserable. And you ask them why, and I'm just miserable. And I'm like, well, you've got this great lifestyle. You've got this mm-hmm. great family. You've got this awesome career. And, of course, several will stop you right there and say, nope, 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 the career's the issue. Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean the career's the issue? You went to college for that. And they will explain, well, no, I went to college for this for my parents, not for me. Mm-hmm. So they are miserable, living a miserable life right now, can't figure yeah. out who they are, all because they're trying to live to a standard that somebody else pushed on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And I see a lot of that, too, because I'm at the age right now where everybody's making their university and college decisions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you can tell who's doing it because they want to, and you can tell who's doing it because their parents told them to. Yep, Exactly. And and it's a shame. And again, as you know, we got an eight-year-old and a one-year-old. As a parent, yes, I want them to be successful. But you know, uh-huh. I would rather them be successful of what they call success, not what society calls success. Yeah, exactly. I, I've got friends of mine that struggle financially, but they're playing almost every night music and all that. And they, they yeah, they struggle financially, but they're making it and they're doing what they love. Mm-hmm. I, that's still success to me. Because they're doing it their own way. Yeah, I agree. And even with what we do with the show, I mean, right now, I mean, our show don't make money at this point. Mm-hmm. One day we hope it will. You know, we hope to be like a Bobby Bones or a Ty Bentley show, but right now we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have to put all yeah. the money into it, getting nothing out of it. We have to take our time, and the people have to take our time to keep building New Country Buzz, keep building the Christmas Andy show, keep building – Coming up with ideas to try to one day make money with this whole new media, new country media idea we have, but we have no idea when money will come. So we have to yeah. keep pushing, and we do like side gigs and all that to keep us afloat. But you know what? We wouldn't change it. Yeah, because exactly. You, t- I've, I've already let this go one time, and it about ate me alive. And mm-hmm. I'm not about to do that. Even though there are nights where I tell Sandy, 
I'm just quitting. <laughs> I'm frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm over this. You know, this, and, and then she has to um, pull me off the cliff a little bit, and, and I'll end up saying, I will just go get a regular job. And see, in the 17 years of marriage, I have not had a regular job. We've done different business things and this and that, this gig work. We've done, we've made it. We, I mean, we still, we're here 17 years later, but we, you know, but we've never like done a career type. I mean, to me, the hosting is going to be a career, so that's coming. But, um, yeah. but we haven't been like a job mm-hmm. career. So when I say that, she almost laughs at me and say, you get a regular job? And I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, you're right. Not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just keep going, and we'll figure the, all this out. Because, again, I would, I would be miserable in a regular type. And I know some people hate me for saying that because I've seen people on Facebook say they would rather be miserable at a job than happy doing something that, they, that they're going to be broken. Uh. I think the opposite. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'd rather be broke temporarily. No, I don't want to be permanently broke, of course, but I'd rather be temporarily broke and, and have this vision that this you – know, again, when, when you come at the end of your life, I want – I don't want to look back with regard. You know, I would rather look back and say, you know what? This may not have worked, even though I believe it will, but this may not have worked, but we did everything in our power. To make it work, yeah, that's much. That's a much better mm-hmm. saying than I wish I had. Yeah, or exactly. And I lived that what if, and I lived that what if for three years. That ate, mm-hmm. that that was my big thing, because because you know, we haven't even gotten up. You know, the, the fan page back in 2015, and we're, and of course the numbers back then are different than now. We were um, at five, you know, four or five thousand fans in 2015. Yeah. And we shut it down. And a few of my friends that kept their page that kind of do what we do going has 200,000 fans now. Crazy. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, a lot but, can that, change. You know, but we're here. Yeah. You know, we're still doing this. Um, we're going to take here. a quick break. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to play your song, and we're going to talk about the song. How's that? Sounds great. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called the Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. So oh. 
kind of messed up, and she had mm-hmm. a lot of issues, and I was her best friend, and I was 12, so I was trying to talk her through it to the best of my abilities, but a lot of the songs I wrote at that time were about her and from her perspective. And so mm-hmm. I loved the phrase Cheap Canadian mm-hmm. Whiskey, and I took the knowledge that I had and just kind of wrote that song. And it was it was a lot of people's favorite songs, so that was cool. And I got to actually record it when I was in Nashville. And that's pretty cool. Insane, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I can relate to Messed Up, because I went through 19 years of addictions mm-hmm. until God healed me over 12 years ago. And the first five years of our marriage, it was really bad for my wife, but she she never put me down or anything. She loved me through the addictions, and I'm thankful for that. But, yeah, uh, I've lived lived a pretty messed up life because I started it. It's funny you said seventeen. I was like, that's kind of when I started was age seventeen. Mhm. Yeah. No, she and it's actually great because now she's kind of gotten her life back together. Really, like there was a while where she was living in a homeless shelter and she was calling me at night and telling me about the ants crawling up the wall, and I was like, oh, "Come wow. live with me instead." Oh wow! Like out of this mm-hmm. homeless shelter. And she just had a crazy, crazy few years, um, lots of bad relationships and that type of thing. So I'm really mm-hmm. glad that, like, that's all over with now and she's doing a lot better. So, yeah, that was well, kind of the inspiration behind that song. And a lot of people yeah. um, battle addiction in my family mm-hmm. as well. So just kind of from that perspective, too. I guess something I've noticed with your writing and even in your singing, you have a depth to you that uh, – 18-year-olds should not – I was about to say 17. I keep, almost forgot that you just turned 18. But, <laughs> Me too. But an 18-year-old should not have you – know, <laughs> mm-hmm. an 18-year-old should not have the depth that you have from your writing, and that's something impressive. Thank you. I honestly attribute it to books <laughs> and how many books I read <laughs> at such a young age. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so. books are definitely great. Mm-hmm. So tell us a few parent stories. You know, you, you talk about your parents a lot, I've noticed. And it sounds like that they've been really behind you on this and that they're trying to really help you get off the ground, you mm-hmm. know, because I like to bring up the team. I always like to bring up the team because most times um, fans don't get to hear the stories behind the artists because let's face it, without the team, you can't do what you do. And I know your parents are part of your team and then your manager is part of your team. So tell us a few stories about your parents, your manager, and a few people that help make this thing work. Yeah, so my parents, like I said before, are both extremely supportive. And my mom grew up on a farm. Um, She has four sisters, so she would sing at the church, and that's what they did every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They were the choir. They were the music for the church. So a rule in my mom's house when she was growing up was you started taking piano lessons at age five, and then when you're in grade eight, you can decide if you keep wanting to take piano lessons or not. So my mom implemented the same thing when I was five I started taking piano lessons and I got enrolled in choir and I'm just so lucky that I was in so many extracurriculars because of how supportive my parents are and how much they think extracurriculars are important that honestly Mm -hmm. shaped me into the artist I am today like I'm still I was in choir for five years and like my best friends are all from choir and my dad is actually they're both athletes neither of them are musicians my mom was Mm -hmm. Uh, a track athlete, mm-hmm. um, she was one spot away from being an Olympic track athlete, and then my dad is a world champion triathlete. So they're both very athletic and very athletic-minded. So I think, you know, they had three girls, and 
everybody was expecting us to be these sports monsters. Like, we're <laughs> we're all tall. My two younger sisters are my height, and I'm, like I said before, I'm 5'11". And they're both my height. My middle sister plays basketball, and everybody kind of expected us to all be runners. And I, from a young age, decided I didn't like running. I really didn't like it. And um, instead, I liked music. So they put their all, as they would if I was to do, at, like, athletics, and they put their all into music to support me. And I think it's just so great to kind of think about because they probably want, like, they're both runners. They probably wanted a runner child. And instead they got a musician. <laughs> and my youngest sister's a theater kid. So um, they supported me 100%, like, did any extracurricular that I was interested in, took me to shows. My dad has missed one gig in oh, wow. my I think he's missed one gig and come late to one gig in my entire career doing gigs. And um, they are just always behind me. They're so supportive. My dad actually had an injury um, when I don't even remember when, but he is the type of person where he has to have something to like put his all into. So he had gone Mm -hmm. from putting his all into his training and then he broke his pelvis, ran a triathlon anyway on a broken pelvis, oh, and then had to oh, well. take time to recover. <laughs> so during his recovery, he learned how to use Logic Pro so that he could record me mm-hmm. and put videos on YouTube. And he bought a camera to help me with my YouTube videos. And so I honestly think if he hadn't broken his pelvis, I don't know <laughs> where I'd be with like YouTube and my own recording at home. And that type of thing. So that was a good thing that came out of the pelvis injury because obviously it was really hard on him not being able to train. But, um, yeah, no, basically they've supported me my whole life. They haven't made me feel bad for picking music over sports, like even though Mm -hmm. they probably expected a sports kid. And they've been to every show, every talent show, every stupid little concert that my, like, music school put on. Like, they've been there for everything, and I know that they'll continue to be there for everything. <laughs> so what's been your favorite oh, venue to great. play at? Pardon? What's been your favorite venue to play at? Oh, oh, I have so many. Um, My favorite would probably be, I got to play at the Mod Club, which was really exciting. It's a club in Toronto that a lot of my favorite artists have played at. The Drake Underground was a really cool one. Billie Eilish played there the week after me, which was Mm -hmm. insane. It was so much fun. And then um, there's this place called The Hideout, which unfortunately I just found out closed because of COVID. They just couldn't keep their Mm -hmm. doors open anymore. Mm -hmm. But a really big one for me is Hughes Room, which is a place in Toronto that um, mm-hmm. they ha- it's a not-for-profit, and um, they basically have artists in, and it's a club for music lovers. Um, oh, wow. The whole idea around it is when the musician's playing, you're quiet, so it's a very attentive <laughs> place to play, and it's just it's so much fun. The food's great. Unfortunately, I've heard rumors that they're going to be closing because of COVID. They just can't afford rent and to keep their doors yeah. open anymore. So I'm not sure if that place is going to be around much longer, but it holds a special place in my heart for sure. Well, that's pretty cool. You know, we're like y'all a family-run business because what you are is a business, really. Mm-hmm. But we always like to bring our eight-year-old on. The, he always likes to ask one question. 
Aw, that's awesome. <laughs> and when Caitlin gets older, we'll bring her on too, so we'll have two people asking. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Okay, okay here he is. Question. Here's Christopher. Hi, McKay. What's your favorite food? My favorite food? Okay, I have so many. Um, I got to say my birthday dinner was Buffalo Wild Wings. Anything from Buffalo Wild Wings. So chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good question. And what's yours, Chris? Pizza. Yeah, good. I actually am getting pizza tonight. We have a tradition in my house <laughs> that every Friday is pizza night. So we prepay oh, wow. for all of our pizzas for, I think it's like, I think we pay for like 49 weeks worth of pizzas in advance. Oh, wow. And then every Friday, they just have our pizza ready. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Thank you for your question. <laughs> So oh, that's pretty cool. I never, I, you I never heard of that prepay for pizza for almost a year. That's pretty cool. It's yeah, it's oh, a local um cool. place, so mm-hmm. pretty, pretty. Oh wow. <clears throat> so if you could co write with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and what would you want to write about? Oh God, there's so, so, so many people. Um I feel like Chris Martin because like I said, he's a huge musical influence for me. Um, mm-hmm. Marina from Marina and the Diamonds, because she writes all her own music that she puts out, and um, I've just loved her progression as an artist. Um, I don't even know what we would write about. I think it depends <laughs> on, like, what the room, like, the vibe of the room when you're in it. Um, yeah. There's one more. I think Dua Lipa would be a lot of fun to write with. She just seems like a really fun person. So. <laughs> So um, let me see, what, where was I at? You know, right now, does it work, you know, since you're kind of moving in the country a little bit too, um, what do you think about this whole women played on radio that we're having right now issue? I mean, I guess I, I guess Canada's having the same issue. I don't know. But in the U.S., it's like they play 10, 20 guys before they play one woman song. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know much about radio airplay in the U.S., but – I think, you know, I think more diversity in what they play is very important just because there are so many amazing songs. Like, there are just mm-hmm. lots and lots of great songs, and I think that everybody should kind of be represented equally. I think the main issue in Canada we have is with CanCon, so it's more, mm-hmm. our issue more is right now the artists that are Canadian that are already super established fighting or, like, mm-hmm. battling for radio spots with smaller artists that aren't established and they can't get their plays because the way CanCon works is they have to play a certain percentage of Canadian artists on radio. And Mm -hmm. um, if Drake releases a song, then he's going to take up all of that. And then a smaller artist like Tyler Shaw, who's in Canada, won't get those spots on the radio. So I think radio airplay is definitely something that's, really interesting for me to look at. I don't know too much about it because a lot of my listeners come from um, Spotify or more closely connected to me radio stations, kind of like this, where I can actually talk Mm -hmm. to the people running it and form connections (laughs) and relationships with them. So it's it's interesting to watch from an outside perspective as well. And I think that's the feel. Like we had Joe Kelly on, who is owner of the CDX Nashville, um, mm-hmm. We we do a podcast called State of the Music Business where we bring on executives from the business side of music on. Mm-hmm. Now we, 
we ain't done them. We've been to we've worked on them weekly, but we kind of backed off on that. And I think mm-hmm. because of all the virus, we may yeah. need to bring them back because it's a little, now it's even different. But he was talking about how in this day and time that you know musicians need to really think. You know, a lot you hear a lot. A lot of artists are like they just want to get signed to this big label. But like mm-hmm. he said, if you sign to if a label likes you and they sign and they sign you when you're small, you just got screwed. Mm-hmm. You may not think you did, but you got screwed. He says, now because of all the tools, there's no reason an artist can't build that foundation. He said, the only reason you need a, need a label now, as in big, and I'm talking about big labels. I mean, small labels are a little different. I'm talking about mm-hmm. big labels here. The only reason he said that you really need a big label now is when you get to the point to where you cannot, your team can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Because he said, there's a point where, where you start to explode out there. And you need somebody to track everything. So that's where a big label comes in, where you know it gets to the point where you, they're just—it's impossible for you. He said, then you get to that point, you can make your own check, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He says, but if you do it before that, label just screwed you. Mhm. Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm about to ask a question, and I'll explain in a minute why I, I ask this a certain way. If you had a magic wand. And what you're about to say would come true, and where would you be in five years? And the reason I'm asking it that way, real quick, is this past February made five years that we asked that same question to Kelsey Ballerini. The oh. answer she gave us is the is how she's living right now. I mean, and it's not like she was big back then, because in 2015, I think she had her first top 30. So it was she was like number 28 or something. So she was just starting to take off when we. But her answer. Almost to the T is what she's lived now, five Whoa. years later. So I always crazy. like to ask that question to keep because because a lot of times artists will say, "I just want to play," and I want them to think about, well, where could you be? Yeah, you know, and because mm-hmm. she's a prime example where you could be because that was five years later. You know, I always love that example. So, so if and again, I know you talked a little bit about this a little bit earlier, um, but where would you be? If everything was perfect In a perfect world Where I'd be in five years Is um, In the same place that For example Halsey was When she released her Room 93 EP So basically What I mean by that is She had an insanely loyal fan base And it wasn't huge yet She had I think around like 300k On Instagram But her fan base Mm. is so loyal That when she released music they would talk about it, they would share it, they would post about it, and I think they're a huge reason why she's reached the success that she has. But something that I see and I love is I I love Mm -hmm. concerts at smaller GA, like general admission venues, that are, like, big, and everybody's just happy to be there, and everybody's (laughs) jumping around and having a great time. So ideally, (laughs) I would love to be able to, A, have a house, in um, Mm -hmm. a city that I really love. So whether that be like Nashville, Toronto, L.A., or New York, I would love to live in one of those places and be touring and touring mid-sized venues with lots of people in the crowds jumping around and just having a great time. That's really cool. I love that answer. Like I'd love to be able to like walk out of the venue that I'm playing and have people like, that are sitting in line for the GA and just go out and be able to like pass out water bottles and meet them. So <laughs> that that would just be That's amazing cool. for me. 
Yeah, because of course there's never a wrong answer mm-hmm. to that question. I always like that. it's always interesting the different takes that people have on that. Mm-hmm. So let's let's say you had a friend and you heard them sing, and let's say they're pretty good. They they got something special. You feel, and and the, and again, this advice would be pre-COVID. Um, so you know, mm-hmm. um, let's pretend everything's back to normal. Of course, um, but let's say that they they're pretty good. They've got played maybe ten twenty shows. They ain't done a whole lot, but they've done some shows. Mm-hmm. And they come to you and they say, they say, I've got that, but they've got, they got on that stage and they got that bug, that bug that every artist says they get when they get on that stage. And they feel like, you know, I'm supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give that person to help guide them for the next two, three, four years? I would say whatever you do and whatever rejection you face, don't stop. Because once you get that bug, it's like a fire kind of lit in you. And sometimes the fire, like the flame gets smaller and sometimes it's harder and you're going to have hard days. Like there's no way you're not going to, and you're going to face so much rejection. That's Mm -hmm. just how it is. So you have to keep practicing your craft, keep improving, work to like improve your live shows, watch live streams of people that are where you want to be, do master classes with like other smaller artists Mm -hmm. led by people that know what they're talking about and can offer you guidance right right up, right with people that are better than you because you're not going to be the best. You're going to want to learn from people that are where you want to be. So just mm-hmm. don't don't give in when it gets hard because it's going to be hard for a long time before you reach a level where it's not as hard. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Even with what we do, it gets hard. And, mm-hmm. and you know, But we know that that breakthrough is coming. We know. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that advice. <clears throat> so as we get to this last question here, um, what is a question that you wish people, hosts like us would ask but they never do? Honestly, I think you guys covered everything. Um, I like love doing that. interviews like this like yeah. where it's conversational. I've done lots of interviews, and sometimes they're like, they ask a question and then you say your answer and they go, okay. And then they ask another question and then you say their answer and they go, okay. And it's kind of, I love the conversation. So really just keep up the conversational vibe because it's just so much fun. And I feel like it connects so much better to everybody involved. Well, we definitely appreciate that. I remember when we first started the show, um, when we first started, I I remember um, I asked a friend of mine, advice on getting this thing going. I think it's a great advice for up-and-coming artists, too, and really any artist. Um, but I, you know, he said, I have one piece of advice for you. And I remember <laughs> him explaining that because he, he knows we look up to like a Bobby Bones and Ty Bentley. He says you could be some, he said maybe you could pull off being a second nature Bobby Bones. Probably not, but let's say you do. He said, or a second nature Ty Bentley. Probably not, but let's say you do. He says mm-hmm. that um, then what's going to eventually happen is authentic Chris will one day come out. Mm-hmm. And when authentic Chris comes out, then your fan base is going to be gone because they weren't attracted to authentic Chris. They were attracted to fake Chris. Because yeah. if you start from the beginning being authentic, then that's um, – he says you, then the right people will come. And it's funny because I seen – when we interviewed a guy named Jeff Coffey, I remember um, – um, I went to his fa- Facebook page after the interview because I knew I seen that he shared it, and I wanted to see if there's anybody comment on the show. And mm-hmm. one person did comment, and they and they were like, "Oh, great interview!" 
but they added, but the host is Wendy. <laughs> And I had to ask Sandy, that's funny, I didn't know. I was like, what does that even mean? And she goes, oh, it means you're long-winded. I said, oh, okay, I can deal with that because that's my authentic self. I like the conversation here. See, yeah. apparently that person <laughs> didn't like the conversation. And, yeah. and, that, and, that was, and it made me think about that when you just said that because, again, I want the show built around conversations. We've, you're our 66 awesome conversation this year which has been really awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me on. No, and I think that that's really important. Like, you can't please everybody, but as long as you're being authentic, then that's all that matters. Yep. So it's self-promotion time. Tell everybody how they can reach you. Pardon? Sorry, I just missed that last question. It's self-promotion time. So tell everybody how they can reach you through social media and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, I have all the social media platforms. Um, and they're all McKaylin Music, which is M-I-K-A-L-Y-N, Music. And uh, you can find me on any streaming service, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, and then the most connected and personal way where I have a lot of unreleased stuff is on my website, which is www.mckaylinmusic.com. Well, we really enjoyed having you on the show and look forward to an update down the road. For sure. Thank you for having me on. Lots and, of fun. You know, we we enjoyed it too. So you have a great day. You yeah. too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Hey everyone, hope you really enjoyed the show. Um, look her up. She's a really great artist. She's definitely going somewhere. Um, I hope one day she moves to Nashville. That'd be pretty cool because we're going to be going up there. But you know, look her up, find her, support her because artists right now could use the any any type of support right now. But as always. We have another interview coming at you tomorrow, and we look forward to it. We'll see you then. Goodbye.